to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Morning, Mateo. How are you, man? Uh, brother, I am good. I'm awesome. good. How are you? Couldn't be better, man. Episode six. I can't believe it. Six weeks in a row. We got <laughs> it's just flying. You know, every every yeah. Tuesday or you know, and next next week comes around, we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're recording another one. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's funny, I always get caught up. Am I supposed to say the day? Like, are we supposed to say the day? Like, yeah, it is Tuesday, definitely. But uh and six in. It doesn't feel that's crazy. It's uh it's a good feeling. I'm happy to get I'm happy to get this going. We got a great uh, great bunch of guests this week. Some good conversation. So good to see you back from the beach. I know. I, I it's kind of hard to tell. I, I don't really I don't really tan well. I burn pretty nice. You know, I got that nice fair skin. Um, yeah. It's interesting too. Uh, this weekend was super hot, and the, my my daughter was outside, and she just she she came back in. She's a lobster now, but. Uh, um, <laughs> We're, so this week's pretty cool. Um, episode six, it's, uh, we have two amazing guests joining us today. I have Alex uh, Hunt, who's uh, Huesner, Alex Huesner, <laughs> the CMO of Condo World. And we also have Annie Holcomb, Director of Revenue and Client Acquisition, Lexicon Travel Technologies, joining us today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, thanks for coming. Yeah. Welcome to Happy the to be here, guys. Thank you. Yeah. And congratulations on six in a row. We're excited to be number six. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's interesting. And first of all, I want to apologize for, for absolutely murdering your name. Um, so <laughs> I looked right at it and I, I, I switched the N and the S and I said, I don't know what I was doing, but I'm, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm so used to it now. When people say my name wrong, I normally just go with it. <laughs> so yeah, you eventually got it right. That's all. I, you know, <laughs> you know, I like to take the long way around sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, we have two amazing guests, um, and we're going to kind of get into the book direct and channel list, you know, versus channel listed is kind of the direction we're going to go with, with this podcast, but I want to talk about the news, but let's first have, um, Alex, introduce yourself, and then we'll go to Annie. Kind of tell us a little bit about who you are and where you come from, and and what why you are um, why this is a perfect fit for this conversation that we're going to have today. Sure. So I've been at Condo World for going on twelve years now um, as CMO, and Condo World has been in the North Myrtle Beach market since nineteen eighty five. So the business is actually same age as I am, um, but I came into it about twelve years ago. And when I first started working with the company was right around when VRBO like first came on the scene. It was right um, kind of in the middle of the recession. VRBO had come on the scene and we were at this point just only in North Myrtle Beach. We were kind of more traditional vacation rental company like you'd, you would see in a lot of markets nowadays, too. Um, but my owner, the owner of Honda World, Roy Clyburn, one of the reasons that I was hired was he saw this you know, mounting issue coming down the down the pipeline that or what he thought was going to be a serious issue that homeowners were just going to be leaving rental programs like crazy because they could now do this on their own. They could actually rent the units on VRBO on their own. 
Um, and which obviously that's, that is still something that, you know, we lose homeowners to, um, them trying to go out and, and run it by themselves. But, um, what we weren't expecting was really the main issue at that point was the, the technology side of it. So we were, we set out to build a website, um, that was going to exclusively promote professionally managed vacation rentals and really talk to the benefit of why you rent through a professional company versus just going directly for an owner. And we got a lot of reception from people back then because everybody was kind of worried about the same thing. Um, but as you know, technology became the, the biggest issue that we had to battle for how we were going to get inventory and partnerships and how we were going to be able to you know, put this together in a way that made sense. Um, you know, we took a step back and we said, let's just kind of see where, let's see where the cookie crumbles with all of this. Um, you know, at, at this point, most people weren't even doing online bookings. I mean, that was just kind of getting started. Um, so we, we took a step back and then we said, okay, let's, let's kind of deviate from this a little bit. 2014, we branched off. We said, we're still going to just promote professionally managed vacation rentals. We're going to do it in other markets. Um, and we're, the theme of it isn't necessarily about really pushing that message that, you know, why you don't book through an owner anymore. That's, that's still, you know, it's in the background, but that's not the forefront of it anymore. Um, but what we did do is we built partnerships with other rental companies um, that had inventory that we did not have, um, but that we had clientele that had a desire to either stay in that type of inventory or go to those places. Um, and so we've built up kind of a really unique model that we still do traditional vacation rental management in North Myrtle Beach, but that we're also what we call a hybrid OTA in these other destinations. Um, and it's actually, it's very similar to what Marriott has done. It's funny watching that unfold. And we're actually in the process of becoming a partner of Marriott right now. Um, it, it's interesting seeing it, it was the, is the same intention for why they're doing what they're doing is what we, how we've built our program, um, that we did not want to go out and you know, buy different rental companies in other markets or start managing our own inventory in these places. We just wanted to work with the best of the best and, you know, find those really strong symbiotic relationships. So um, that's kind of where we stand right now. But we, as far as the book direct movement and anything related to that, um, we do have a lot of experience on uh, understanding both sides of it, because as a rental manager, obviously, we're trying to look after our profits all the time and, you know, reducing spend on OTAs, but at, at the other time too, advertising was expensive. So um, we try and have a, a balance between, uh, you know, working both sides against the middle, but that's kind of a nutshell of where we're at right now. Does that help? <laughs> it does. It's uh it's a really interesting uh, hybrid model to say the least, you know, it's, uh, I think, the position that you know you are in and Condor World is in is unique, um, and you know you were kind of at the forefront of it when for 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 that position of it, um, which is which is kind of interesting and exciting. Uh, Annie, tell tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh goodness! So um, I don't want to date myself. I'm quite a bit older than Alex. Been around <laughs> the industry for a long time. Hey, quick, 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 quick. I, I noticed that you threw that age out there, you know, that 85. And I did notice that. I just want to say, and I'm like, oh, dang. Fired. I feel like I feel like all of us are about the same age, so I don't know. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let you go with that. <laughs> okay. I, I just let that pass through. Wasn't touching it. I heard it, but I, was, I, I wasn't touching that. I was like, hey. You know. Well, hey, let's just say, Alex, you're, you're younger than all of us. 
All right. Okay, okay. Well, and, I am at the very older end of being a millennial, so. <laughs> we'll take you. We'll take you. Barely made the cut. <laughs> um, so I, I've um, been in, in and around the hospitality business since 90, 91, 92, started out in hotels, worked front desk, sales, marketing, group sales. Um, and then I was actually in the Panama City Beach market when it went through kind of its renaissance. All the mom and pop hotels, motels got torn down. And I had a boss that kind of likened it to we just, you know, it was like somebody just came in and erased the coastline and just erected a new coastline and it was all condos. It was all vacation rentals. And so at that time, the company I was working for had four hotels, just a little over 600 units, and we had to pivot kind of what we were doing. We knew that if we wanted to be competitive in the market, we needed to dive into the vacation rental space. So we tore down two buildings, we built a condo, and then I was just fortunate enough that the boss I had at the time said, I want you to do this job. I don't know what it's called. I don't know how you do it, but we did it in Myrtle Beach and this is what you're going to do. So it was go out, talk to developers, talk to them about taking over their HOA, talk about taking over their rental program when they launched, and then working with all of these buildings, the owners, to get them to sign on the rental plan. And we did that and, and successfully ended up with about 3,000 units um, under management through HOA contracts and then a little over a little under 2000 with rentals. So I did that until about 2012 and at that time we had just come out of an oil spill, you know, we just the market went through this big change and having been on kind of the marketing side of things, I you know was very in tune with what we needed to do to keep owners on plan, how do we need to, you know, build our booking volume up, all the things that we needed to do and one thing that kept ticking back up was Expedia at the time. It wasn't Verbo, it was Expedia, but we were losing owners to the Verbo side of things. Um, but what saved us from probably demise of after the oil spill or just during the oil spill was actually was Expedia. And so it really opened my eyes to the fact that there was this channel that had the volume of people that could, you know, eyeballs on the on the listings, get us bookings, bring us inventory that we weren't able to get ourselves. And kind of to Alex's point, it's just it, it was cost prohibitive to kind of do SEO and have a, a website that everybody could see and, and spend all the marketing when you were trying to just manage juggle all the things operationally that you do within the rental world. So we had partnered with Expedia, but we told them, you know, you don't understand our business. You don't understand our model. You don't understand your pricing isn't structured right. You don't relay our fees correctly. You don't relay our policies correctly. And I really harped on that. And 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 then a, a position, funny enough, came open because my market manager was leaving and he said, they're going to hire somebody and they want him to live in the market. I think you should go for this. So I interviewed with Expedia for about a year and then ended up working for them and managing the Gulf Coast all the way to Gulf Shores for two years um, and very focused, obviously, again, on the vacation rental side of things, but internally helping educate Expedia on what vacation rentals meant. And I'll never forget getting a call from the vice president of market management at the time. And he said, tell me about Verbo, this VRBO. Who are they? What do they do? And I thought, mind blown. How do they not know who VRBO is? And so it just became something that internally there was other people in other markets, other market managers that were running into it. I can't sign this because they're on BRBO and all that's all they want. They want that. They don't want Expedia. They don't want to pay our prices. And so Expedia did some internal changes and then ultimately they bought Verbo. So, you know, fast forward, here we are. I'm now no longer with Expedia. I'm with a channel manager. So I feel like I have experience on all aspects of the conversation and I see the value in focusing on book direct, but I also understand that book direct is, 
kind of that brass ring, you know, you're reaching for it as hard as you, you know, as much as you possibly can, but to be able to get it, it's, it's, it's very, very hard. And so you have to keep these OTAs, these third party channels kind of as, you know, not a frenemy, but as a partner in your business and make sure that, you know, you don't give them everything, but that you allow them some grace in your business and, and some participation and you work with them to your benefit, build your brand off their site, you know, get your billboard effect from it. And so I, I you know, I think that this conversation is going to be one that's going to be had for years to come, it'll never stop, but it's it's really um, taken on a, a life of its own because I think Vacation Rentals has finally gotten its due in the spotlight because of COVID and, and people utilizing the inventory. Awesome. That's a super interesting background too. Um, my question for you though is when you're, you're saying Verbo now and then you mentioned VRBO, but was it really Verbo back then or was it actually Airbnb um, in the market you're in? Um, it was actually, it was actually VRBO. It was, you know, it was, it was all VRBO. And a matter of fact, Airbnb really. I didn't, I'm sorry. I'm, I didn't mean Airbnb. I meant HomeAway. Oh yeah. No, it was, yeah, it was the, we called it. I mean, it's funny to me because I know I always called it Verbo. Like I know VRBO just sounded too hard to have to say every time, like to say the letters. So just, it said Verbo. Owners said they were on Verbo. So the fact that they went to it, I think it was just, people were saying it anyway. They just decided to give up and, you know, quit trying uh, to. That's how that's I feel. I've never called it Verbo. <laughs> I, I never called it Verbo. And I, I thought when did. he officially made it Verbo, I was like, why would they do that? It's VRBO. I, See, I think I you're in the minority. <laughs> Definitely think you're in the minority calling it Verbo because. I, I mean, yeah, maybe. Maybe. I just, I just always did, but that was what owners called it. And I never knew any difference. So to me, when they branded it that way, I was like, well, that's a no brainer. There wasn't everybody saying that. So apparently not. <laughs> Oh, I remember, it's just to show like the differences, and it, maybe it's like a maybe it's a regional thing in maybe. that space, or it has to be because I I remember the reaction like everyone around me was like, why did they do that? It doesn't make any sense. What is a verbo? Like, it's VRBO. <laughs> like what else would it be? So that's that's actually interesting. I've never that's actually I've never heard that other side of that. Yeah, so, that's again. Yeah. That's what I always knew it as because they were the bane of our existence. You know, as a man. <laughs> You were ahead of the time, Annie. <laughs> mm -hmm. See, I just dated myself, didn't I? <laughs> Wait, again, we're not going there. I, I, I've been married for almost 20 years, and, and there's lots of uh, women in my life and in, in birthdays and, and stuff like that we just don't bring up. Smart man. <laughs> um, let's, let's quickly talk about a, a couple of things that, that happened in the news last week, and then we'll actually really dive in feet first for this book director versus channel listed kind of, I don't want to say argument, but discussion and, and kind of focus a little bit on the culture behind it as well. Uh, two big things that I noticed in, and please let's, let's, let's jump on anything else. Airbnb came out with their, their big update. It came out a day or two ago, um, you know, talking about, about their two big updates, uh, streamlined the process of becoming a host is one of the big updates, making it easier to go ahead and and bring more inventory into the market space because obviously that is um, what everyone is kind of chiming that there isn't enough inventory for the short term rental space. And then additionally, they went ahead and um, they the improvements on the hosting. Um, let's say where was it on the guest side? They made it so the guests can search via flexible matching and flexible destination. So um, because inventory is such at such a, a hard to come by, um, allowing you know guests that want to go ahead and search for say these dates, 
but you know maybe aren't pigeonholed into location. So um, that was a big news. And the other one that I noticed was just uh, you know actually I didn't notice. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and chalk this up to Mateo. Is uh, Vacasa. Um, inventory is uh, now being found on Marriott homes and villas. So um, any, any thoughts on that, Mateo? It's interesting to see the breakdown. Um, I know we were talking about it earlier. It was like the 10,000 homes. And I think I saw the breakout I saw was like, I think around 6,000 of the, you know, uh, historic or, or the, the previously you know, that were in the Casa's inventory before and another 4,000 acquired through the turnkey acquisition. So, um, I think that model in and of itself is, is, is super interesting. You know, Marriott is really showing a commitment to the space, right? And really looking and growing and, and building partnerships. I think you guys were talking about it too. Like you guys are in the process of, of you know, you're of, of, you know, working out your partnership with them as well. But, you know, my larger, you know, I, I think it's interesting, but my question is larger in, in terms of like, all right, Marriott's in this space who's going to be next, right? Like we, we've seen other, you know, other hotels or other traditional hospitality, um, you know, chains kind of dip their toe in the water. You remember, um, was it Hyatt and, um, oh, what was it? Hyatt had, uh, what was the name of the company? They'd done it before. Um, they did it a uh, real brief, um, God, I forget the guy's name. Yeah, Hotels did it for a while. It was, um, would you say it was choice hotels? They had they had a program. I think they're yeah. still out there. There's choice hotels and then a core in Europe mm-hmm. had tried. So, right, and and so like it's interesting to see like you know they seem to commit to this right into you know designing a way to get into the space and work within the space. Um, you know, it, it, interesting to see how how they're doing it, but they seem to be leading that kind of charge, and I think that's. It's interesting to see how they're doing it and seeing the embrace um, from both sides, actually. You know, those who are interested in, in looking at that that channel and, and, and forging that partnership and that relationship, as well as, you know, um, you know, the the their apparent interest and commitment to, to getting it done. So I think that space is in its very, you know, in, in its infancy. And I think there's going to be more to come. I think, you know, with Marriott leading the way, others will follow. Um, but it will be interesting to see if they try and replicate what they're doing or if they kind of forge their own path and do something different. And that's what I'm excited to see. So I'll, I'll leave that there. Alex, I have a question for you regarding that. You know, you you said that Condo World is in the process of coming on board with the Marriott Home and Villas program. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've heard mixed uh, mixed things on on the agreement uh, that, that, you know, that is signed. Um, and you know, what, what you're giving up and, or maybe not giving it compared to what you're gaining, um, uh, from, mm-hmm. from this partnership with Merrick, can you expand on that and, and why ultimately you chose to go ahead and, and put some of your inventory on or, or all that could possibly go over to Marriott? Yeah. And it's, um, it's interesting. And, and I, I don't think that we were completely aware of, of some of those details when we first decided to do it. And I'm not saying it's, it's going to change our decision on it but um there are some there's some there's some verbiage in the in the contract that you're not uh, supposed to remarket to these guests um you have their full contact information so i feel like that's going to be a little bit complicated to try and separate them out completely from um you know ever seeing anything about condo world again so um 
it's, you know, I think they, Merritt has done an excellent job of being extremely thorough in how they put this, this plan together. Um, and like I said, you know, when, when we, when we go out and we try and find partnerships in other markets, you know, we've got a very a much, you know, a smaller version of what Marriott has done, but they literally have, they've crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's on how they bring this together to make sure that level of quality is maintained and not even just level of quality of the product, but also the technology side. I mean, there's been a lot that we've had to jump through um, to make sure that all of our, you know, security, everything technology-wise is uh, to Marriott standards, which has been a good thing. There was a couple of things that we found that um, we could improve upon that I'm not sure if we would have thought otherwise. So, you know, it's they're definitely doing their due diligence, but I think they also, it's it's very clear that they're trying to learn the, uh, the industry and that they are trying to make this a partner-focused um, program, um, you know, in, in most ways, let's say. They, the way that they do payouts is very is very good. I mean, they, they pay at the time of booking, um, which is very different for any other OTA or kind of channel that you're on like that. Um, so there's there's a lot of things I think are, are good about the process, but I, I'm excited for us to go live with it and see. I don't know what to expect. I don't know if it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be huge volume, which is okay. And we, we don't want this to become our main source of business or anything, but um, I think if it can be some supplemental business, that's really what we're looking for right now. I mean, we're near 100% occupied for um, June, July, and, and August. I think is going to follow through as we get closer to it. So we don't really need the bookings right now, of course. And that's that lends itself to the OTA discussion of, you know, you really want the OTAs for the shoulder season, but you're not going to be able to get full presence if you only give them the shoulder season. So that's a, another balance that we have to that we walk. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that it's a good partnership and that we can get some some different bookings than we normally would have, and that um, you know they're going to be good guests. I think that's probably one of the best things that it should be a pretty good clientele that they bring. Yeah, it's Lloyd. Sorry, Mateo. No, I was going to say, but do you think the industry is going to study how this is done? So what I was thinking about was the Oasis Hyatt partnership that actually you know it was a couple of years ago they they had done that before oasis uh was acquired by vacasa they actually hyatt had, had actually worked um some type of partnership with them first and, and it, it fizzled out it'd be interesting to go back and study why that didn't work as well uh, yeah. and why this this and maybe you have some insight please let me know I, i'm it was newer in the space i remember but i was I, I remember like being where in the industry, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder how many more hybrids are going to come in or is the, is this right. the model that the hotels are going to use to, you know, work or, or embrace the vacation rental industry? Um, yeah. And then it kind of fizzled <laughs> out and went away. And Yeah. Even with Choice Hotels and, you know, I kind of forget about um, they have their program, but I, mean, I, think, I think it's still out there, but I don't think that it's been, you know, widely adopted and I, I don't, really recall seeing a big presence from them at any of our vacation rental conferences. Yeah. So I mean, they've right. taken a different approach to it. But um, I, from what I, from what I remember, I think their program, it is a little bit more of a, like a true direct, like not, I'm not sure if franchise is the right word, but they're, they're more invested and in both ways um, as a partner than Marriott is. I mean, Marriott is, they are actually acting like a channel that we're you know, paying their, them a commission on versus I think choices program was, if you're in, you're part of that, then, you know, it, it's, there's, there's more revenue tied to it than just a typical OCA commission. So um, I don't know, it'd be interesting to talk to somebody who's been on that side, but like I said, I don't really know anyone on that side. Yeah. So 
they, they haven't really, you know, completely immersed themselves in our industry, I don't think. Like a good future topic to, to dig yeah. into. <laughs> <laughs> I, add, I think that one of the things that Marriott did right um, was that the, that the other ones did probably missed the boat on or <clears throat> probably should have done is that they they recognized that they needed to understand the technology to service this industry. So like they had partnered with Booking Pal initially um, and kind of built out their back end to handle all of these you know, the uniqueness of a vacation rental, you know, being able to have all the different bedding configurations and everything's just not cookie cutter like hotels are. And so I think that they worked through that. So by the time that they went to market fully, you know, I know that I had seen kind of what their original specs were for what people had to, you know, were required to meet. And the first time I took a look at it, I just said, there's just no way because the cost of the cost of converting to that was going to be really, it was just going to be too much and very few people were going to buy into it. And I think that they went back and forth kind of with talking with people within the industry, both from the the vacation rental management side, but also the technology side and figured all of those little pieces and parts out. So again, once they, once they went to market and went live, it all made sense in it. They had proof that it would work. And then of course, I mean, Marriott has probably the most loyal base of, you know, consumers there is, you know, outside of maybe Apple or I don't know, Android for you, John, but um, (laughs) they had, they had a base to work from, you know, so, you know, whether they can use that leverage that to generate high volume, I, I think that remains to be seen, but, you know, kudos to them for really, kind of vetting out all of the, the the things that they needed to have done to make it work. The interesting thing with that too, Annie, is that the, you know, on top of, you know, setting it up with, with booking pal, you know, now they've expanded into some PMSs, you know, working with property management software. I know track being one of their, I think they're, they're partnering with three. I'm can't, um, I'm a little hopefully. partial to hopefully yeah. being one yeah, track another being one. another, and there might yeah. be one more. Um, so, you know, they're, they're choosing the software they want to partner with and, and, and again, strong software lends itself to go ahead and and get out to the right clientele for them. So I think it's definitely smart. Yeah, absolutely. So I think again, you know, to the point, it, it remains to be seen where it'll go from here, but the Marriott name, they know it has value and, and they know that, you know, Alex and I talked about it too. It's just, it's something, you know, to go, if you're a, a manager to go to your owners and say, I'm going to get your units on Marriott. Probably, you know, one out of every three of those owners has traveled and stayed in a Marriott for business or a Marriott resort, you know, in the Caribbean or Mexico or, you know, worldwide, they recognize that name and to be tied to it, you know, it's, it's sexy. People want to be part of that. I saw a, uh, I saw him speaking at Marriott. I and please correct me if I'm wrong. I saw a, a meme. It was on LinkedIn though, so it, it's it's considered business. Um, <laughs> but it was it was showing. It was a picture showing how Marriott got started. And they, I think, if 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 I'm, I think it's Marriott. They started off as like a a A and W uh, slash hot dog stand. Um, and, and then it's, you know, for, for years before that's how Marriott started. I'm going to have to look it back up again and I'll bring it up the next show. Um, or maybe I'll go ahead and leave it in the comments, a picture of how Marriott got started, but I, I searched it up. Um, and it's really interesting. I think it was like a 15 seat A and W, uh, A and W. And then that's how it all got started. Um, 
let's go ahead and and kind of switch over into to kind of j- dive into this this book direct versus channel listed. So, um, Alex and Annie are part of a um, are part of this clubhouse that is short-term rental professionals. And last week they had this great clubhouse uh, talking uh, about the book direct movement. And it was, I was able to listen the first 45 minutes or so. Um, and it was really interesting in, in kind of pull in where, where everyone, all these industry professionals are coming in with totally different ideals behind, you know, what's important, you know, they're half of you, half of the, the team where there is, um, I'm a hundred percent all on board and only book direct. And, and then there's others that are more looking at the hybrid and there's, you know, model. No one's ever saying that I'm going to put a hundred percent on my, my listings on uh, channels. At least I haven't heard that, um, you know, always kind of, you know, more of a hybrid or, or fully book direct. I'm curious on your thoughts on it. Um, let's start with you, um, Annie, uh, since, since you were kind of leading a lot of that, that conversation and let, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, it, you know, it kind of came up from a conversation um, that I had been having with somebody um, actually on LinkedIn. It was just one of those, not a debate, but just, you know, bringing up all the different sides of the sides of the equation. And what I noticed was that there is a very, um, the book direct movement has become don't book with the OTAs. Like it has become I want book direct as long, you know, but it, and it means just don't book with those guys. You need to book to, because people are using Facebook and they're using YouTube and Instagram. And, and and let's face it, if you're getting leads from other sources, that's, that's not direct. Direct is when people come directly to you and talk to you and talk to your website. And so what I noticed was there was, not, I don't know, this not anger, but this like definite like tension in the conversation and just wanted to have it from, from my perspective, having been on all sides of it, I see the value in it. I see that, you know, the OTAs can bring you volume that you're not normally going to get, especially in vacation rental space. Now, Verbo and Airbnb, they specialize in the non-traditional lodging, if you will, what it used to be called. So vacation Mm -hmm. rentals and, and booking and Expedia don't, but booking and Expedia has a reach that, you know, that it can't be met in most markets. And again, so for, you know, most bang for your buck, why not put it out there? And when I worked for Expedia, one of the things I would always ask people um, when they would say, no, I don't want to be on, it's too expensive. And I was like, are you running? What is your occupancy? Oh, I'm full. Okay. Well, I'm looking at your parking lot and it's empty. So you're not full. Well, I'm full in July. Okay. Well, what about the other, you know, 11 months of the year? Well, yeah, I could use a little help, but it really doesn't matter. I, you know, I just make all my money in July. Well, how about not making, you know, how about trying to make money the rest of the year? And that's where I think that it got lost in the conversation was people started to feel that the OTAs only wanted their business year round or in one part of the year in their peak season. But let's face it, they want business every day of the year and every market with the exception of a few that have, you know, that shut down for weather or, you know, whatever reason, most markets have some sort of occupancy in, in there. So if the OTAs are harnessing that occupancy and can drive it into your, you know, your business, why not participate in that? And so it just, I wanted to have a conversation around that and kind of get people's feedback because again, book direct is great and wonderful, but if you don't have a plan behind the book direct, if your plan is just to say, I don't want to work with those guys, well, what is your plan for them to work with you? And that's what kind of came out of that conversation was a lot of people don't have a plan. They just want to say no to the OTAs and then just hope for the best. 
it's, it's, I think you brought up a good point. It's actually interesting um, in, in terms of the definition of what book direct is. And that's actually when we got into this conversation, it's a question that I had because when I think of book direct, I think of direct engagement, you know, whether it's at the small level with the local, you know, a small local proper, um, property management company in a vacation rental market that's, you know, had the same clientele for the past 20 years and that, you know, that they directly engage with or someone found them organically and they keep in, in, and push for those types of relationships. But it seems like the definition is broadened a little bit um, to, uh, I don't know, I guess a, a wider approach and, that, that would be my question is like, what does book direct really mean? And, you know, how does that change and how has that changed? I think Alex has a lot of insight again, kind of from her perspective because she's handling the marketing and, and knows what it takes. Um, so Alex, I would kind of defer to you on that one. So for condo world, when we look at, you know, what our strategy is and if we use mostly direct or channel or, or a combination of the two, um, as I mentioned, obviously, we are a little bit in a different situation than a lot of companies mm-hmm. um, because of what our strategy is and how we're trying to grow um, into other markets by really utilizing our brand. Um, for that reason, it doesn't make sense for us to, to really be you know, as heavily invested in the OTAs as, as some other companies do. Um, and I think Mateo's point was, was really good. And that's what was a really kind of interesting revelation that it seems so um, self-explanatory, but at the same time, I don't think people ever talk about it this way, but on that clubhouse that uh, we were on last week, um, it, it is, it's, it's, it's the OTAs and book direct. And then everything in book direct is all under one umbrella. And, you know, I think people really, it, it's like, there's this is a strange hostility towards OTAs that I, sometimes I'm just surprising to me because no matter where you get the business from, people aren't just knowing to come directly to your website. I mean, there's a reason that they got there. I mean, whether you're doing pay-per-click or SEO or Facebook or any combination of the three, um, you know, there's 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 still money that goes with that booking. So if you're trying to balance, you know, a 15% commission versus how much that's going to cost you in your advertising spend, I think that's where a lot of companies have a hard time being able to do that. And it's it's a lot easier to say, I can see on every single booking from the OTA, well, I paid X amount, hundreds of dollars of commission. It's harder to track that as you, you know, go down the funnel of your advertising. Um, we are in a very good situation there. And I give credit to the team that we have that we are really able to see a very, very um, accurate and detailed look at um, our whole revenue stream. So how much we're paying per booking, what our conversion rate is, on both the phone and online and you know, multiple attrib- attribution models. So we've got a good idea of what that is. And it, you know, it, for us, it just it makes sense for us to be more involved in an omni-channel type strategy that is more based on bringing people to Condo World. But, um, and we've really, you know, we've, we've worked very hard over the years to build up that brand and it's works. Um, I mean, it's definitely in our market here, we are you know, extremely well known um, and I think we do get a lot of direct, literally direct business, but that's because of putting in a lot of effort um, in the early years to get that out there and then also maintain it. But, um, but I still, you know, I think there's a ton of value in the OTAs. We've seen incredible growth this year with Verbo. Um, and last year was interesting, of course, because after the, or during the pandemic, 
um, the OTAs cut their spend so significantly that it really did allow a lot of companies that were willing to go up to bat to get some, you know, take, take market share from them. Um, and, and we definitely did that. We spent more last summer on pay-per-click than we've ever spent and um, you know, got a great return and definitely got our brand in front of audiences that we previously had not been in because, or had been there, but just not as, um, with not as much exposure because we're competing so much more directly with Corbo and Expedia booking. Um, but yeah, it's um, it, it, every, there's no right or wrong answer. And I think every company has to make that decision. What makes the most sense for them for newer companies or companies with a smaller amount of inventory, it definitely makes sense to have a more OTA based strategy, because if you're going to go and spend, you know, a bunch of money on pay-per-click, you better have a lot of inventory on your site for somebody to land on your site and stay there and actually get a booking. So it, it really just depends on, on what your strategy is and how, what your inventory looks like, I think. Do you think it's, is it also dependent upon, you know, I think one of the things you just hit on is like the size too, right? Like, yeah. is, it, is it dependent upon you know, regions or, or where you are in the world and, and like how that works and, you know, seeing this, you know, this movement be successful. Like I know uh, Deborah Lobby and Damon Sheridan are doing things more in, in global markets in Europe and other places that really are trying to gather people around um, and, and, and smaller managers to kind of pool their power together to build a resource network to make that a more viable option for them. The Stays um, group is doing that here in the U.S. Yeah, as well, right. and they're having a lot of success with that. Right. And so is that like, is, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Is that the model you see moving forward? Um, because at a, at a certain side, at a certain space, you have to be a, able to afford the book direct, right? Like it's it, at a certain stage, you, it may not even be an option for your business. Right. Um, and, you know, I think that's the interesting part from where, from where I stand and what I see behind the movement, I, ideal. But the other thing you brought up, too, is like the culture of OTAs being the super bad guy, but the bad guy that everybody uses to a certain extent, begrudgingly or otherwise. Um, what What's the other side of that coin, right? Like, it, it, it's the bad guys, but are there are there businesses that truly thrive on a hybrid model that's tilted more towards those OTAs um, and find value in that space and care less about book direct. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I think you're exactly right. I mean, it just, it, it definitely depends on the amount of inventory in the area. And I think, you know, when you look at markets like Myrtle beach, um, you know, the Casa has an office here, I think, but they, they have, they don't have a whole lot of inventory, um, and really none of the other players that are multi-market um, vacation home managers have been able to make any headway here. Um, and I think that's because, I mean, most of the companies that we compete against and the hotel groups and everything, we've, everybody started about the same time in business and everybody's, you know, really been very, um, you know, kind of on the same, same mindset that we all use the OTAs, but there's a lot of um, branding that happens within this market. And beyond that, our destination, if you have a CVB that is very aggressive and, and, you know, spends a lot of money to market the area, I think that makes a big difference too. And Myrtle Beach is, um, you know, we have a $35 million advertising budget. So, I mean, we're wow. right underneath Orlando and Vegas. So yeah. uh, I, I think when you're in a market like that, that also lends itself um, to be a little bit more of, uh, of a book direct kind of market because you've, you've got that power behind you of the brand that, 
is really pushing the demand for the destination up there. And you just have to be in the right place at the right time <laughs> to get those those customers there. And for some people, being in the right place at the right time is being, you know, on the OTAs. And that's how they want to be able to facilitate that. But um yeah, it's it's interesting for sure. I think it's I think it's in, um, important for our audience to to take out of this is that there there truly isn't a one size fit all answer uh, for book direct or or listing in channels and there's so many different variables that that go into play with this from you know size to location to where you are and you know in your business and how long you've been in business and and what what are you trying to get out of this here um, there's been a lot of uh, there are a lot of different polarizing things that you will read online. You know, there's different channels and there's the hashtag book direct movement. And, and by the way, a couple different uh, people claim that they, they made that up. Um, I've heard two different people, uh, organizations that said they, they own hashtag book direct, um, but whatever, that's a whole different conversation. Book direct um, I like that. <laughs> we'll see no. Okay. <laughs> So you're not naming names, John? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. It's a, you know, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm here to kind of just put it out there, but they know who they are. Um, it, it's, 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 it's super interesting because, you know, I think that, you know, from the outside looking in and, and from someone that's been in the industry for, you know, five years, kind of, kind of looking at this is that I, the important thing is what works for you. And, and don't get caught up in the, in the, oh my gosh, I, I have to do all direct bookings or, 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 or only use this channel and not this channel. There's a big Airbnb versus Verbo, you know, what works for you in your market, you know, um, you know, in what works in Europe compared to here in the U S and, and ultimately it's about putting out great properties and making money. I mean, that's why everyone's doing this, you know, and it's, um, and, and what, what works for you, you know, for, for somebody that can go ahead and if, if you're talking about the amount of money that you're throwing at the big, bad channels, okay, well, you're going to throw the same amount of money just to make sure that you are able to book direct, but now you're paying it for pay-per-click and SEO and all these different things. So you're the same amount of money's going out, but, but in the results, ultimately you're the same, you're booking your properties, you're booking your units, but you know, it's, it's, how did you get there? And, and I guess, you know, from my where I see it is like, don't get caught up in the, the politics behind it. You know, like, no, I see, I see. See, But in my challenge to that, John is it's, it it is, there's a culture behind it. Right. Like when I was in Gatlinburg cutting my teeth in this industry, right. Like when I first got in here and I was talking to managers, they were adamant that they were not going to use Airbnb and they didn't have to because they've been in Gatlinburg forever. They got steady clientele that they're happy with. Now we could talk, we could have a broader discussion about what their business strategy was and what their growth strategy was in the longer term, but they were adamant. And it wasn't about Airbnb wasn't a good channel or Airbnb is going to rip them off. It was, they didn't like the culture of what Airbnb brought. They didn't like, and so that issue was, they were able to make that argument because they did have direct bookings. And, and in turn with the culture is a clientele because like an Airbnb clientele is a different clientele than say a Verbo or a direct market clientele. You could argue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think it, I think it, it, it muddies a little bit, but I, I think you're right. And I think it was newer in it, whether it is or whether what, whether it is or whether it wasn't the perception is that it was, and right. that's what they ran with. Right. And so that's what I found super interesting. Um, and, you know, I was young and didn't know anything. Right two days ago. 
but but I did. I, like that was the first time I had ever heard that, and I was like, oh wow, really? Like you know, to grow your business, they, they were adamant, adamant, not using the channel. Don't need it. Don't want it. Right. I think one of the things that's getting lost in the conversation is we're in a kind of a unique moment in that the demand is far exceeding the amount of inventory that's available. And COVID was kind of the perfect storm to elevate vacation rentals to the same level as hotel brands. Like everybody recognizes that vacation rentals are a thing now. It's not like just a few people that knew. I grew up, we went to the Carolina coast every summer and rented a house. I had never stayed in a hotel except for business or I was I was on a gymnastics team that traveled. We stayed in hotels, but for vacations, we always stayed in vacation rentals along the coast. And so I think people have known it's been there, but again, COVID brought it to the forefront. But what I worry about is that people are so... Um, this year has been so good that they're forgetting that next year, this demand is going to wane. It's not going to be here because all of a sudden all of the other parts of travel are going to open up that haven't been opened up. People are going to feel more comfortable about going on cruises. They're going to want to go to Europe because let's face it, Europe is going to throw out some crazy deals to get people to come back. And so I think that, you know, some markets that are seeing increased demand in their shoulder seasons. Um, I was reading an article about uh, the, the South Walton Beach market, and that's a very upscale, John, you're familiar with the upscale homes, you know, multi-million dollar homes. Just the amount of like revenue that was driven between December and February far exceeded any like annual revenue. I mean, it was just crazy. They were running occupancy numbers in January that they had never run before. But it's not going to happen again. There's there's just not going to be that kind of demand. Now, is it going to be probably better than it was in 2019 moving forward? Yeah, I think so. But, you know, it's just about you have to have your, your properties in front of as many eyeballs as possible. And, um, you know, your new um, CRO, who was our CRO, Michelle, she always said it the best is like cast a wide net. You have to cast the widest net possible. And then it's your job as the manager to own that guest for the future. But if you have a channel that can bring you a booking that you wouldn't normally have gotten, then so be it. Why, you know, why turn it away? Why, why just, why look at it with disgust or disdain or whatever it is? I mean, people have very strong opinions about it. If it's a, it's a piece of business you wouldn't have gotten, then it's a good piece of business and then, you know, own it forward, make it yours. But that's what the OTAs bring to the conversation. And I don't think people are looking looking far enough forward to say, like, how are we going to continue to partner with third parties? And again, it's about partnership. It's not right. about this, this um, friction-based relationship that people are trying to make it out to be. An interesting thing um, based on that clubhouse I was listening in on last week that, that we didn't talk about today, I just want to quickly bring up, is there was a conversation on, okay, great, you, you've, you've gotten that booking from a channel, and the conversation then led to the effort, you know, is it worth the effort to kind of go ahead and take that new, that new person that come in and to then turn them into a direct booking next year or for future reservations at, or as a repeat guest, you know, what is putting that effort into converting that, that channel, uh, you know, booking into a repeat guest, is it just easier to go ahead and get them as a direct booking? And I, I say no, uh, but there was definitely some uh, two sides of that in the conversation. Do you have thoughts on that, Annie? Yeah. I, again, I think this is a conversation that just it, there's people are it, it's almost political in some ways. People are firmly entrenched on either side of the conversation. And then there's those of us that kind of sit in the middle that say, like, eh, can't we just all get along? So <laughs> I, it's going to yeah. be one that's going to be had for a long time, I think. 
Right. Yeah, and I mean the, the profitability side of it, I think, is important to to you know be mindful of too. I mean, it, any booking is a good booking to a certain extent, but if you're going to lose money on the booking, that's when it's not obviously. Um, and that's, you know, those are the situations that we really look at very, very closely. And I think, you know, some of the newer companies that have sprung up, they are not as mindful of that, but you know, if our, our profit margins obviously are a lot less than a hotel or an on-site resort group might be. So if you're looking at a 15 to 20% OTA commission, you know, you could end up be, you could be losing money on the booking and it's better for that unit just to not get booked for that, for that. I mean, it's just, it's not worth it for us to, especially when, you know, our maid service crews, which are very hard to come by these days, they're going to multiple properties. We've got 600 we rent in North Myrtle beach, but they're spread among probably 85 buildings. So, I mean, they're, you know, and we obviously they're strategically placed, which crews go to which properties, but still, I mean, they're, most of them have at least a few different buildings that they're going to. So, and you factor that in, um, it, it becomes definitely an operational issue that is, is important for revenue. But um, and I, I think that's why it's, it's very good that vacation rentals have uh, embraced the revenue management side of the business more in the last, I'd say, five years. It's become such you know much more adopted thing um, because prior to that, I mean, we we uh, our director of operations currently uh, kind of serving two hats. He's also a revenue manager, but for, uh, we did have a revenue manager for many years and he kind of set the, the groundwork for how our program would work. And, you know, that that's made it a world of difference because, you know, at the end of the day, we can only, we only have so much inventory we can book. There's only so many weeks we can book. So we need to be very mindful of making sure we're getting the most revenue for each reservation that comes in if we want to grow. So... I think that's a, the, the maturation of the industry, right? Like at the yeah. end of the day. And, and, and yeah. I, it, we, I don't think we touched on that enough uh, because, you know, looking at it from that part, that point as a strategic aspect of your business, right? And the revenue management side of, does it make sense, right? Like, why are you doing this? You know, why right. is Book Direct better? Why are the OTAs better? And having, and, you know, if your hybrid approach, which would, you know, typically, theoretically be the right approach, right, would be based off of a strategic business decision and what's best for your business. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Excellent point, Alex. Well, I, I our podcast it has come to an end. We could continue going on this for hours and hours and hours, <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to kind of stop it right here uh, before this just kind of keeps going on and on. We've had two amazing guests today. Thank you so much for joining us, both Annie and Alex. It's a, it's been a pleasure, and we look forward to more conversations with you um, moving forward. There'll yeah, definitely be a part two for this. Yeah, more to talk about for sure. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, great conversation, guys.